Hi, this is Zoe Routh, and I love helping CEOs and teams with their people stuff. Sometimes it can be really tough, but sometimes it can be totally amazing. There's nothing better than working with a tight-knit, high-performing team. And this is something my guest today knows all too well. What an extraordinary journey she has had. 22 years in the public service, then five years in business with five kids and a divorce later, she reinvents herself. She strikes out on her own and takes a virtual startup to a $7 million plus business in nine short years. She says, I'm nothing special. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Karen Porter is the owner and director of Solus Creations Double Glazing. What an amazing story. I'm sure you're going to get heaps out of this one. She's got lots of really practical, pragmatic insights about what it takes to lead in business and lead extraordinarily well. If you like this show, please share. It's awesome. You'll help others be inspired by her tale too. Okay, let's do it. Karen, I'm so excited to interview you. You've had such a long and successful history in business and you've had so many great experiences. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Zoe. It's a pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> and just before we hit record, we were talking about 14 years in business and how it's not the easiest path to tread. Why do you say that? Why do you think there's easier things to do? Um, some days of the week, I wish that I was actually employed by someone because, um, you know, at the end of the day, I've, I've got responsibility for the livelihoods of about 16 people. So if we don't have our business coming, they're not going to get paid. So they're not going to be able to buy food for their families or put roofs over their heads. So it's a very big responsibility as a business owner, just having that burden of staff. Uh, you've also got the burden of the tax office, making sure your payments are there, um, running your business effectively so you do make a profit because, you know, it's very easy not to make a profit in business. You get wrapped up in, you know, adding advertising or your overheads and next thing you know you're actually not making any money. So then you're just an employment agency. So then you think, well, why am I doing this if we're not making any money? So it's a constant game and I, I feel like it's a game of monopoly. So it's a constant game. <laughs> How do you get to the end in one piece and with the most money, you know, <laughs> it's hard. It is hard. And, and it's a big shift to go from employee to employer. What made you decide to make that shift? So I was a public servant for 22 years. So really? I, a, I did yeah. not know that. I did not yes. know that. <laughs> I had a really long time and I was in both the local government to start with and then transitioned to federal and then met a man who was a builder and proceeded to have my fourth and fifth children with him and then realised there's no way I could put them both in childcare. And he was running a business which was quite poorly run, I would have said. And I said, well, how about I just come and run that business with you? So we took his business for about 60,000 turnover a year um, and finished around $3 million together. Um, and that's when I decided I'd didn't really want to be with this man anymore and moved off on my own and <laughs> at that stage we had windows as part of his business and I took my company which was turning over about 160 and left him with his three million dollar business and started off on my own with five children oh my god it was very daunting and I look back now and I think I don't even know how I did it I had to set up my own shop front I was renting um, a place with my five kids 
So I had to pay rent for the property, rent for myself and, um, you know, set up a shop. And at one stage I applied to go back in the public service because I was just so daunted by the whole thing. Didn't even get an interview. And really? I, yeah, I did. I finished it as an executive level one, so I was quite high up in the public service and didn't even get shortlisted. So I'm like, okay, the universe is telling me I need to keep going. And um, and from there, I've just I've grown the business since 2011 to seven million dollar business. So it's quite quite a big thing. Oh my goodness, that's that just is mind boggling on so many different levels. I'm not sure which part to dissect first. Like five kids. Yeah divorce yeah. setting up your own business starting with nothing <laughs> and then and then skyrocketing to seven million yeah um, yeah that's an enormous burden to carry it, it is and I've had to have my mentors behind me like my accountant is probably my biggest support um every month we go through the books and we you know really thrash it out I've had to know my money inside and out I if anyone had have said to me you're going to work in financial management I would have said there's no way on this earth and now I actually love it. It's very strange. What do you love about it? Well, I love the fact that I'm at that size now, whereas if I tweak a millimetre, you know, it's 50,000 different to my bottom line. So it, it's just, it's a game to me. It's a, it's a game that's got a lot of consequences and a lot of importance, but it's a game that I really love because I know that I can make it better, um, you know, just by tweaking things. Has it always been a game? Like, I'm just wondering about that, you know, like you went into business for pragmatic reasons because you're having four and five children and then you, you managed to build up your husband's business with him and then start again. Yeah. So was it always a game or was it really survival? Or uh, It was very that. much survival in the early days. And when I say game, I don't mean a fickle game. I, it's a very intrinsic game that you've really got to put a lot of pieces together to try and make sure that you can last another day in business. So, you know, most people say you're a month or two away from bankruptcy. And that's a fact because if you think about it, when I shut down at Christmas, I shut down for two weeks. At Christmas time, it cost me $80,000 just to shut my door for two weeks. Mm. So that means all year I'm saving for our shutdown. So with the COVID-19 risk around everybody, um, we're like, whoa, well, I could probably last maybe a month or two and then I don't know what I'm going to do after that. So, um, you know, it's just putting one foot in front of the other and going, yay, I made another day. It's, it's a very, it's just a very hard thing that we're all doing. And the other thing is that government just expects us to do what we do. Like I employ 16 people. Government gives me little support, but I'm paying, you know, taxes for schools, hospitals, roads, everything. And basically I feel like, you know, us small business owners are the backbone of our economy. So it's a very, very, very interesting role being a business owner. And part of that is being a leader. And I'm interested in your leadership philosophy. So two questions around. I'll start with the first one is more broad question. How do you define leadership? So I find leadership as somebody that can make a decision and stick with it, can follow it through, can outline and give to the staff goals so that they know that they can follow you on the journey as well. I have no problems making decisions tough or easy. And I feel that, you know, communication is essential. So for me, I'm a leader that shows her vulnerability is a good communicator, has dignity, and if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. 
And more importantly, I wouldn't expect any of my staff to do anything that I wouldn't do. So, you know, I'm out there at the moment. At the moment, there's only two of us in the showroom and I'm doing the reception duty and, um, you know, I'm also doing sales at the moment. So I'm not special. I'm just another employee really at the end of the day. But I'm just guiding the ship. So there's two things that you said in there that I want to um, dive into a little bit more. You said that making decisions is easy, They're like the hard ones and the easy ones. Yes. How, how is it that you find them easy? Like what is it that you do in decision-making that makes it easy, whether it's an easy decision or a hard decision? Um, well, I feel guided a lot of the time. I feel like, you know, I've been doing this for so long now that my, I've really got to listen to my gut. And there's lots of times that I haven't listened to my gut and, and I've let myself down. I had I have one staff member that um, I really should have put off within a couple of weeks of his employment, but I kept listening to the others and they're like, oh, keep him on, he's okay, he'll keep going, you know, he's not bad. And my gut's like, get rid of him. And do you know what? Um, eight months later, we did a fraudulent workers' comp claim and he's basically torn my business in half. So... I have to listen to my gut um, because that's the main thing. And my business is going to be okay because I've been able to work through it and we've found smart ways of going forward. But um, I don't know. I, I just have this instinct and the instinct I need to listen to, but the instinct is also based on a lot of experience. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's, I've done some reading and research around uh, instinct. And that's often what they say is that when you make, can make those gut calls, those intuitive decisions, it's often based on a huge amount of experience uh, that yeah. leads us to, to that. And I think it was Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. He did some research around that. So that makes sense. You know, you've been, you've been working in your own business for 14 years and then some years before that, right, with your husband? Or is that t- total 14 years? The 14 years in total was, is private sector experience yeah yeah okay on my own I've been on my own since 2011 and you know I work with a very closely with a supplier and there's like four or five of them that are all business owners and some days I just envy the group think that they have but then other days I'm just like I hate to have to ask permission for everything that I do because you know I just go and do it so yeah (laughs) I draw on them for support and then I go off on my own and and make my own decisions I love it that's actually one of the primary benefits of being a business owner is being able to call the shots. And the burden that you carry in exchange for that is responsibility for, for all the decisions, um, which you mentioned first up. Yeah, and, and you have to. Yeah, I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. And it's just picking yourself up and, and saying, right, we won't make that mistake again. We're going to learn from it. And the same with my guys. We made a mistake this week on our measurements. It's probably going to cost me about $2,000. And, and I just said to him, so what did you learn from this? Would you would you measure it like that again? And he said, no way. I'd do a lot more investigation in it. And, you know, we unpacked it. So I know that won't happen again. And stuff happens. You've got to roll with it. It's just making sure you learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a That was a $2,000 investment in his education. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he hasn't made a mistake for a while, and it's a shame that it happened, but I can't beat him up for it. We just have to learn from, from it. The other thing you mentioned in defining leadership is that you say that you're a leader who shows vulnerability. Yes. What does that mean to you? Like, how do you express vulnerability and why? Um, I like to be real. Like, I'm a very genuine person, and if I'm going through some hard times with the business, then I'll give you an example. 
my installation team weren't making much money. They weren't making the profit that they needed to make, which was stressing me out and I was losing sleep because I was thinking, what am I going to do? Do I need to let people go? How are we going to go through this? So I sat down with them. I said, right, guys, this is where we're at. This is where we're at money-wise. This is how much profit we're making. What do you think we can do to make this better? And they came back to me and they said, oh, I reckon there's lots we can do. Let us think about it. So progressively they kept coming back to me with savings that they could make, more efficiencies they could make. And you know what? They're making 30% profit now. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I'm so proud of them. But if I hadn't have gone to them saying how stressed I was, you know, about this part of my business, then they wouldn't have felt my pain which suddenly became their pain and they were part of the solution. So, you know, that's probably one of the biggest parts. I think what's beautiful in what you just shared is it's not just sharing the fact that you're stressed, but inviting them in to collaborate on the solution. Yeah. Because in a different world, you might have been a different leader who went, I'm really stressed out about this. You guys need to fix it, fix it now. Instead of going, this is the situation. What can we do instead of what can you do? And that's a great invitation to ask people to step up. And I think when you share the reality of what's going on, people like to, they take stewardship of the situation. And it sounds like that's what happened for you. Yeah, definitely. And I'm so proud of them because they came up with some really good savings to the point where I could come back and say, hey, look what happened. We're now making a profit. And they're like, yay, because they, they all know if I don't make a profit, they don't have a job. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're very well connected into uh, the success of Solace and how we keep going forward. Um, so they're all fabulous. And, and if I've got any problems with different staff members, uh, you know, I just sort of talk to them confidentially, you know, what's going on. And I need to know the full story. You can't just sort of take one person's view. You need to just get a whole analysis going and then work out how you're going to go forward. I've let two people go through COVID-19 um, for various reasons. And it was, you know, very considered as a team rather than just me. Wow. So you involved your team in the decision-making around letting yeah, people the, go. The seniors, the seniors in the team. That's amazing. And now I've got this very, you know, I've got this little team now, smaller than what we were. So I've gone big team and now I've crawled back to little team of very dynamic guys who actually were doing the work at the bigger team. So, um, you know, we've got more efficiencies going. I'm curious about, was there a particular point in time where you realized, hey, this leadership thing, I can, I can do it. It might have been in your public service life. It might have been uh, in your business life. There was like a moment that kind of crystallized it for you that like, I think I, can, I, think I got this. I think, I don't think it was, I think it was recently that I just went, hey, I am actually a leader. Like I was talking to you before we went to air and I was saying that I, I don't feel any special than anybody else. And I think going through the Telstra Awards, um, you do a lot of reflection on yourself and how you go. And I judged last year and through the judging of the Telstra Awards and watching the other amazing women, I went, hey, I am actually a leader. I can do this. And, um, and I watch myself and I go, look at you making those decisions. <laughs> <laughs> look at you making a profit, you know. It, it's awesome. And I've, I've done a lot of leadership all through my life. Um, when I was in the public sector in customs, I actually did an APEC um, training. So I'd go to all the developing economies and I'd 
you know, teach about, well, I don't know, maybe 20 to 30 of them how to do different things with leadership and that. So I've been around for a long time doing this sort of stuff, but, you know, getting confidence in yourself that you are actually, I kept saying one day I'm going to be a real business. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I might be a real business now. Isn't that funny? And what in your mind do you think had to be in place for you to consider yourself having a real business? I, I really believe that it's been known in Canberra now. People go, oh, we know Solace Creations. Oh, we would only get windows from Solace Creations. So I've now got a lot of people saying, oh, you guys are a well-known brand in Canberra. And I laugh to myself and I go, yeah, I created this brand from nothing. And it's amazing they sort of see me like, I don't know, who could I liken myself to? You know, some of the known brands like Good Guys or that. You know, Solace Creations is now a brand. And that's what makes me a real business. <laughs> was that something you aspired to or was it just sort of like an afterthought or a sideline thought? No, I just think it was something that came to me that, um, wow, we actually are known out there. That's unbelievable. But I've worked so hard to get known out there. And to be known out there as the, you know, your solace creations, wow, I think that's amazing. Like we're a real business, <laughs> like a brand. A real business that people know about and talk about and can recognize. Nice work. <laughs> and we have a good reputation. Like people say, oh, my friends were raving about you the other day. You know, that's fabulous. And the COVID 19s brought me back five years, I reckon, in terms of people are now talking to me again. I answer the phone. They're like, oh, we got Karen. You know, like, <laughs> But, but I, I'm knowing everybody I'm talking to again and I haven't had that for years because I've had staff answering it. COVID-19's made it all real again. Oh, that's fascinating. That's a surprising silver lining, I suppose, or nice opportunity in all of that. There's been a lot of silver linings um, having all of this and, you know, I've taken advantage of it, I have to say. One of the biggest things I've taken advantage of is when I shut my showroom. Um, I live in Bredbo, so I live out in a little town on a country block so I don't come in every day now and I don't have to there's no reason for me to come in unless I want to I love that so I'm now able to get my headspace together I have a walk I do my spiritual stuff that I like to listen to um, the motivational stuff you know on YouTube I like to listen to when I walk and I'm such a happier person so that's been another benefit oh I agree yeah there has been some loosening in the in the pressure and the discipline and the structure that is such a blessing you know, when we're confined to home. More freedom, even in the confinement. It's amazing. <laughs> I know. And we've never been busier and I'll probably work all weekend. But, you know, today I don't have to see any of the public. I don't have to see any of our clients. Um, I came in to do some other stuff. So, but I'll probably work all weekend, which is good. But I've got flexibility now. I don't have to physically be here. Yeah, that's great. So in 14 years of being in business and 22 in the public service? 22 public service, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people stuff that happens in both those areas, in the public service and then running a business. Yes. What do you find the hardest in dealing with the people stuff? Oh, it's always having to sack someone. That would have to be the hardest thing, telling somebody they don't have employment anymore. That just sucks. And if I could have anybody else to do that. The other hardest thing is letting clients down. So, you know, just say something doesn't come up in time for their installation, then ringing them and saying, look, I'm really sorry, but 
I'm not going to be able to do it today. And they understand if you communicate with them. But it's always hard. You always expect them to go off at you or, you know, you're just like, ah, I'm really sorry. But being honest and vulnerable again, you know, I'm really sorry I'm letting you down. They go, oh, it's okay, <laughs> even if it's not. But, yeah, definitely doing something to a person or counselling a person is just awful. What makes it awful in your opinion? Well, I think telling someone they don't have a job anymore, um, you're affecting their livelihood. But you've also got to look with your business head. So if you don't look with your business head and you use your, oh, just keep paying them 70000 a year, then that's just silly. So you're just going to, I call it rip the Band-Aid off. And you rip the Band-Aid off fast, otherwise you fester over the decision and it makes it worse for yourself. But then all I can do is try and support them. So I had one lady that was working with me and I just it just was time to go. She'd lost her passion. But, you know, I've been helping her now, giving her referees and giving her support that way, try and get her a job because I feel awful that she doesn't have a job anymore. But for Solace, it just wasn't working. So my CEO, I'm paid to be the CEO and that means I've got to make sure Solace is running at a profit with good people. So I have my little emotional female side and I need to let that go and be, you know, the boss. Yeah, that's interesting that you see them as separate, <laughs> being female and the boss. <laughs> <laughs> they are separate because sometimes I have to be tougher than I want to be. Um, I don't want to be that person, but I have to be because that's what I'm being paid to do. Yeah. And I do see myself as being paid to do a job, you know, even though it's my business um, because we are a PTYLTD. Yeah. What do you like the most about having a team? Um, I love I love the interaction with the team. Um, I love their support. And I believe that if you're a good leader, you do bring out the best in people where they want to please you. They want to actually show you results. And that's what I've got around me at the moment. I've got this really good sales guy and he's just amazing and he's just thriving on bringing me more money, you know. He's just like, look. We've got another sale. He's so excited. We get excited about it. So that's really rewarding, the, the interactions and and being in a position where they are actually seeing you as part of them, even though you're not, that you can celebrate together. How do you manage that? Because that's often a difficult line for, for leaders to handle. So how do you be part of the group and also be the boss? So how have you navigated that? Um, I think how I navigate it is that I do celebrate with them, but then by setting guidelines and it's like having children. You can't be their friend all the time, but I liken the two. I, I feel like I've got my children at work and my children at home. So <laughs> how do you mentor and guide both of them so they both get to where they need to be in life? You know, it's, it's very similar. Can you tell me about a time when you... You feel like you failed as a leader. Mm. I think the time, again, going back to that example where I should have put this guy off, he caused me immense damage to my business. And, look, I really should have had some drug tests done early and I didn't. I should have tested the whole team and I didn't because I kept getting assured that he'd be okay. And, you know, as a result, he, he damaged our business massively. So I, Is this like narcotic drugs? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I kept hearing whispers from the team that he was a user um, and that he was on methadone, but there was nothing in place and I, I had to be really careful that I didn't discriminate, you know, play it really carefully and 
And then he got injured and we paid his injury. Um, he was off three months, even though we told him not to do what he did. He did it. And anyway, you wear that. And then he came back and he went, right, well, I'm going to get another three months off. And he put in a fraudulent claim. It was denied. So he went to one of our uh, ambulance chasers in town and they sued us. And, you know, in hindsight, when I was doing all the interviews with the insurer, I really should have trusted my gut instinct back and it would have saved us a lot of grief. As a result, I had to split my business in half and half of it's gone to the construction side of my business has gone to my son who's running it now um, because my insurance claim went from 99000 a year, oh, sorry, 16000 a year to $99,000 a year. So that was the damage I caused by my lack of trusting my gut instinct. Yeah, that's a big painful lesson. Yeah, um, it is. And it involved all the team. Everyone had to be interviewed. It was just, it was. we could have done without it, but there's positives coming out of it already. So let's roll with that. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough lesson to sweep up. Is there a resource that you lean on a lot? Like you're, it sounds like you're a learner. So you go and you practice some spiritual disciplines and you listen to different podcasts, inspiring things. Is there one particular practice or resource that you turn to to help you get through tough times or good times? Yeah, there is. Um, I don't know. Do you know Esther Hicks? Yeah. Yes. She's my go-to whenever I feel bad. So all I need to do is listen to her on, um, on YouTube when I do my walks and I come back and I go, oh, everything's okay. I could do this. And I think I need to work on myself pretty much daily just so that I can still spring back as, you know, as a good leader. I, I need to work on that. When I have my walk, I get my physical, um, I get my mental and emotional and spiritual all in one go. And I find if I can get a walk in before I come in to work, I'm a much better leader. Yeah, that's a very good practice. Is that something that you've always done or is that something that you've developed more recently? I've done it since my marriage broke down. And that's how long I've been listening to Esther Hicks. And I love how she always says, I know you've been listening to this for a long time now and you might only just be getting it. <laughs> because we do forget. We do forget how awesome we are and we do forget what we can do. We get so lost in, you know, day-to-day -day activity. But I just get that reminder and then every now and then I might flick to something a bit more, you know, upbeat. Whatever I feel like for the day, I'll listen to something. But whatever I listen to is going to always make me feel better. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there a book that has uh, made a big impact on your life? Um, I like to listen to a lot of um, Audible. So um, I can't really pinpoint anything that's really made a difference. I, I swing from listening to fiction because that takes me away from my normal life. Like I can pretend I'm living someone else's life. <laughs> um, that's a really good way to unwind. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's quite a lot of business books I've read, but nothing really sticks out. Okay. What's the best piece of advice someone's given you? Get to know your numbers would be the best advice that I've had. Like know them intimately. You can't just, you need to know exactly where you stand every day money-wise as a business because if you don't jump on something early, uh, it might just be six months and then you don't have a business anymore. So um, the other very important thing is make sure you put things in place for your tax. So what I do every time I have payday, which is today, 
I take out the PAYG and put it in an account. I have a separate account for the super, so I sweep that over there. And then I, I have another account where all the things like the leases and that go to. So it's like having all these envelopes of money that you have ready. So when the tax office gives me their bill, I go, oh, here you go. And, you know, there's no stress because I already have it. Um, I think it's a lot easier to collect 1000 a week than to collect 4000 a month, you know. It's there. So my advice to anybody that's entering businesses is make sure that you put aside all of your things that you need to do, like your taxes and your super and that. So it's all separate and it's all there when you need it. That's awesome. So do you think now would you ever consider going back into the public service or become an employee? tempting as it sometimes feels no i have a new journey coming up zoe tell me about that so i have been sitting here worried about the future for my children so what is this future of our world going to look like and i'm really worried about our climate i'm worried about the corrupt activity that happens in our government and I also feel like there should be some more female leaders. So I'm actually a candidate for the next federal election. Oh, my goodness. Is this, is this your announcement now, live on the air? <laughs> this is. Um, I do have a Facebook page, so I've announced it on there. I've joined a new party. It's called the New Liberal Party. Um, and the New Liberal Party is bringing back the values of what liberal was always, you know, was supposed to be you know, in terms of having compassion, making sure that all people are looked after, not just the white people, that business owners get the due respect they need, that there's no corruption, we won't take any donations and that sort of stuff. So I feel that I can either be part of the solution or part of the problem. So I'm putting myself out there. Oh, my goodness. This is like a massive decision. How did you come to make this decision? Was it over a long period of time or was it an epiphany? <laughs> it was given to me. It was an opportunity given to me. I was, I was sort of like offered it. When they told me, I said, you're giving me major anxiety at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about it. And they said, look, your values just align with us. Um, we can see, you know, you're very dynamic and you'll make it happen. And they said, um, they'll give me a week to think about it. And I came back two days later. I said, right, let's do it. What's the worst that can happen? So, you know, how I was saying I've had to split my business into yeah. the blessing with that. I feel like everything's lining up for the right reason in that I'm able to get my son to run the business that's the construction side, so that's off my plate. My new guy has a lot of business experience and I'd like to put him in as the general manager of Solace, so that means that I can step back a little bit and then I can focus on the public side. So everything happens for a reason. You just got to trust it. Wow. That's, a, that's really amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. We'll see how it goes. But I really want to get out and meet everyone in the electorate. Like I moved to Bridwell a year ago. So again, it was another pathway for my future that just happened. And I love it out there. But regional Australia really needs a lot of help. So I feel like I've moved out there for a reason. It's a very different form of leadership to lead on yes. behalf of other people, which is what a politician is supposed to be doing compared to leading a business. What do you think are the skills that you need to develop? Or do you already have them in order to move into that transitional thing to lead on behalf of? 
Look, I feel like I already do that with my clients. I'm already their advocate. Like I, I'm a reseller, so I'm not making, I'm not a manufacturer. So everything I do is on behalf of a client, making sure they get the best outcome. So I've, I've been practising that. I'm also um, the president of our Breadbow Progress Association, so I've already had a year of living in a small country and leading them, um, which has given me lots of different uh, learnings, I'd have to say. It's probably you know, put in the fire and out I come. So that's been really good. <laughs> Just on that, what, what's like leading a Breadbow Progress Association, yeah. so leading in a small community, what, what's been one of the key insights? Um, that there's a lot of older, like long-term people who don't like change has been the biggest thing. So it's been trying to work with them so that you can bring them along the journey without you know, making them have big major panic attacks. But yes, they're very resistant to change. And that's okay. Maybe we don't need change. So, but I think change is going to be impacted on us without us, you know, having much to do with it. But what's been great is I've been able to network with the other presidents around our area. And we've been able to form a bit of an alliance for our area. So, you know, it's been a really interesting time the last 12 months. So that is another piece of my puzzle that's put me in the place of public, you know. That's fascinating. Plus I'm a, I'm a board director of Master Builders, so that's been a whole different uh, change for me as well, you know, being the grown-up that sits at a big table and talks to other grown-ups. <laughs> grown-up <laughs> at the table, yeah. But, you know, talking about serious issues that are affecting affecting our construction industry, it's been really fascinating to watch that whole process as well and be part of it. So I feel like that was another another little bit of putting me in that place. But I really admire Jacinda Ahern from New Zealand and I would dearly love to be a leader like her. I feel she's real to the people. She represents the people. She's there for them. She's also vulnerable and compassionate and I, I'd like to be that leader. Oh, well, she's a fantastic role model. And if there's any, any more silver linings in this whole COVID-19 is that we get to see and showcase somebody like her coming to the fore. And I think um, many people have said COVID-19 amplifies what's already there, good and bad. And so it's nice to see the good. Yeah. We've seen the bad, haven't we, in some other leaders. So that's definitely true. There's been some that have come out, not naming anyone's names, but there's been some that have come out that you're just embarrassed to be a citizen, you know. It's just been awful. But um, I also feel like we need a lot more female leadership because I believe that the only way we can heal our world is with the softness of women, I reckon. That's my thought. Like women just have this way of doing things gently and lovingly and I just I feel like we need less of the harsh leadership and more of the soothing calming healing whether you call that female or male or not or take the gender out of it I think the softness and gentleness and caring and compassion is definitely something that that we need and if you want to in embody that all the more power to you I support that that's awesome yeah, that's what the leader that I'd like to be. Well, that's that's me, really. <laughs> I don't need to be it. I am it. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's your favourite quote that you live by? My favourite quote is that every day is a new opportunity. Tomorrow's not here yet. Yesterday's gone. And all we have is now. That's my favourite. And I'll show, I'll show you something. 
You got a tattoo. It says now. <laughs> we can't live anywhere but now because we don't have the other two things. We've only got now. So that's my favorite saying. That's fabulous. Karen, thank you so much. This has been an absolute joy speaking with you today. And I'm so excited for your future and what you're going to contribute to business, to politics, and to leadership more broadly. So thanks for being awesome. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. Thanks, Zoe. What struck me most about this conversation was how important values are to Karen as a leader. She uses them to assess her decisions. She uses them to stay on track. She uses them to make really tough calls. And she's using them now to align with a political agenda, to become a leader who leads on behalf of others by running for public office. All of this is possible by the fact that she holds dear these core values about what it means to be a courageous, compassionate leader. And I find that particularly inspiring. If you do too, please share. Please forward this interview to someone that you admire and care about, knowing that they could get some entertainment and some insight and some inspiration from Karen's story. All right. In the meantime, live well, lead well.